So usually you guys would be hearing something funny at the beginning or most of the time you will be listening to Mitch's voice, but today I'm here to talk about a project in a book that our friend and friend of the pod, Michael Chung, who was my former assistant coach when I was in grade 12 and coaches with us at STM. And he just recently published and released a book called Beat Parky, A Journey to Let Parkinson's Disease Define My Family's Legacy for the Better. And it's on Amazon right now. And it would mean a lot if you guys could check it out on the show notes there. There should be a link in somewhere in your podcast player. I know it's been an undertaking for him and it's a big project for him. And I know he's been working on this for quite a while and he's done a lot for Parkinson's research in our community here in the lower mainland. And again, if you guys could just give it a look, that'd be awesome. And a lot of the proceeds will be going to Parkinson's research. Yes, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. We are absolutely pleased to have our first ever sort of semi-quasi former British Columbia player here, but representing Alberta, a guy that I've been in touch with for a long time and know and I'm super thrilled to have on doing his thing in Edmonton right now these days, working with the youth, has a long journey through basketball, and we're super excited to hear his story. Welcome to the uh, Hoops Journey, Blaine LeBranch. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys reaching out. And uh, like Aaron said, man, we go way back since since the Brandon days. So yeah, great, great dude. I'm glad to have met you then. And and since since then we've kind of like you said connected on on different platforms and even that time when i was in bc and you know through doug and stuff is uh it's always been a pleasure being around you man you always put a smile on my face so <laughs> i wish my wife would say the same thing but yeah <laughs> uh, that's another podcast yeah exactly exactly like we do with all our guests um just tell us a little bit about what your life is like with COVID and just how you guys have adjusted and you got two little kids and your wife and how are you guys doing? What's your approach to it? And, and how are you making things work for yourselves? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I'm sure it's a question for everybody now, obviously, but for us, like you said, we have the two small boys, so it's been challenging at times, but for me, to be honest with you, like um, I was away from home for so, for so long, like so many days and stuff where, I don't get to see the boys that much or as much as I, I'd want to. Mm-hmm. So this time has been pretty good. It's been a blessing that I've been around them for so much and uh, seen some cool things and got to experience some, some, some of their first evers like riding bikes and, you know, that type of stuff. So it's been, it's been pretty good, man. We're just trying to stay optimistic. I think the ghetto bird is just flying around my neighborhood right now. I don't know if you can hear that or not. But. <laughs> yeah, we can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've kind of just tried to be optimistic throughout, man. Like, my, my wife and I had some goals that we set out for for not only ourselves but for the kids. What we want to see them accomplish through this time, and and we've been knocking them out the park, which is pretty cool. So, just trying to get as much done as we can as a, as a family, and just appreciate this time because you know at some time at some point we're gonna have to kind of go back to somewhat whatever that new reality is gonna look like, where yeah. I might not be home as much. So, just trying to appreciate the time we have together, man. It's, it's pretty much mm-hmm. how, it's, how it's been for us. Awesome, yeah, interesting that basketball player is yourself and obviously your wife is 
probably driving the bus, but at the same time, like setting goals and we're still doing it with young kids even, right? Like it's important for people to hear that, you know, goals could be set at no matter. And how old are you kids? Uh, four and six. Yeah, there you go. And they're boys. Ours is three and a half. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Ours is three and a half. So he's like right on that cusp of during the time it was like, he's not quite ready to be like, Hey, here's what we can get done. And da da da. But yeah, that's cool, man. That, and I'm sure, you know, your six-year-old is a bit of a model for the four-year-old and, you know, when they're not scrapping um, each other and fighting yeah, yeah, over toys, sure. but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's been good, man. Like, it's been good. Tell us, like, what, what what's young Blaine like? When does basketball start to connect for him? And what did he do as a young kid? Were, were sports a part of his life from early on or... Did it kind of take time? Like, how how did that look for you? And and when when did you know that basketball was going to be kind of like, all right, this is my thing? I was always like pretty coordinated and pretty athletic. Like when it came to sports, like I I was one of those guys that people hated because you know I'd play the sport one time and I'd just be good at it. So I was pretty fortunate, <laughs> pretty fortunate in that sense. I played pretty much everything growing up: soccer, not padded football, but you know we played tackle football back in the playgrounds and. I never really mm-hmm. played basketball, to be honest with you. It was more like uh, I was really into baseball. I played baseball till about the sixth grade. And I was I was kind of a, a disturber. Like I had gone, gone to a lot of trouble in my, I went to one elementary school and I got into a bunch of fights. So I ended up uh, having to transfer schools in elementary. So I went from fifth grade and then my sixth grade year, I went to a completely different school and like everybody was playing basketball there. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck, man? Like I got to, I got to get in on this. And, you know, so I went to the, the playground at recess and. I was the last person picked. Nobody really knew me. I was the worst one on the court, um, but I was still like <laughs> decent, but, but I was terrible because they had all played like community <laughs> and I was like, well, what's community? Like I had no idea. So then I went to a, a different school after, after my sixth grade year and I, I met uh, a former University of Alberta player. His name's Rick Stanley. He's a legend. I'm sure you know who he is, Mitch. Yes. Um, know that name. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, he was the coach of the junior high that I was at and um, I just kind of fell in love with the game. I just loved it. Like I was, I was one of those kids that would go to school extra early and just like, teach me this, teach me that. Like I was, I probably bothered the shit out of him, but I was just one of those kids always like searching for knowledge and like how to, how to get that extra work in. Like, how do I do this? How do I do that? So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that was, that was kind of my journey. I was a small skinny kid, but like I said, I, I was always doing something active, riding bikes, running, playing tag, you know, you name it your coach there and like did you go now there's obviously some storied programs in Edmonton I remember going out when I was in grade 10 we went out to the Reb Classic and mm-hmm. like it was crazy and just a total like never I had never up to that point in my basketball career seen anything like that and just because you know we were obviously in the junior tournament but it was a senior tournament oh my gosh what was the big guy from Ontario Greg Newton was there he played at Duke and like I went oh yes damn. I hope everybody's sitting down. I went in the dunk contest because I could like do like a lob one foot, one hand. And my coach was like, you should go in the dunk contest. But they put me in the senior dunk contest. So I walked in the spare gym (laughs) and there's like, everybody is like six, five and over and are like just standing two feet. I'm like, oh my God. But for those people that don't know about, you know, anything outside of BC ball, like there's some storied programs there. Like what was your school? Was it a, a decent program? Was it kind of under the radar? Did you even know or the the junior high that I went to was like off the radar for sure. But I was Mm -hmm. lucky because um, so that Rick Stanley guy, he ended up 
as, as I was going into my 10th grade, he went to Jasper Place High School, which is where that red tournament is. So yep. instead of going to the school that my friends were going to, I decided to go to JP. And yeah. um, I got to play in the red three straight years. Wow. So that, like you said, it, and I, I made the senior team my 10th grade. So it was, uh, it was nice. Like, it was super cool. We had some really cool teams come in, a couple teams from, like, Mount Vernon, New York, Texas, California. Yeah, yeah and, and I entered the dunk competition when I was in the 12th grade. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it's a cool experience, man. It's hype. There's like thousands of people in the gym. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. So there was like no room other than the three-point arc and inside the key. Like I was like, yes, <laughs> I walked out there. I was like, I'm freaking, I was like 15. I was like, oh my, we got off the plane at like nine in the morning and there's dudes from Texas and Greg Newton is seven footer. I was like, what is going on, man? And wow, that, that's, that's crazy. So essentially you just followed your mentor at that point in your life, hey, that was your basketball decision is that you could have gone to another school and be with your friends. But like right off the bat, you're making a sacrifice for your, you know, which w- you're not even thinking like my career, but you're just like, I'm buying into what this person is telling me and I'm going to follow them because I know that's yep. going to get me somewhere basketball wise. And I know, yeah, exactly. And I know it's exactly. probably not the popular opinion nowadays, but like, yeah, the other school that I was going to be going to was, uh, it was Ross Shepard. They were the rival school. And, oh. and Basically, all my friends went there, like Jermaine Buckner, Steve Sir, like all these other guys that are like the top players in the city. All these guys are going there and like, yeah, come here. We'll be a stacked team. And I did the opposite. I was like, no, I don't I don't need to, you know, team up with you guys. I can go and try to be on my own. I mean, they ended up winning three, wow. three straight provincial championships. <laughs> yeah. um, so it kind of backfired. But I mean, it, it, it worked out for me. Like, I, you know, I, I don't think I would have had it any other way because for me, it was probably the most beneficial decision I made interesting that's crazy man yeah. yeah i mean it's it's not not popular opinion nowadays but yeah it was a decision i i made and it, it ended up being the the best decision i think for me in the long run and then okay so you know grade 11 and 12 you know you're saying you're not you're not competing or winning the provincial title but you know is it is it grade 10 when you transfer over where you're thinking like okay I, my goals are to move on with this sport like i really want to take this to the next level and I think I have an opportunity or is, are people talking to you about that? Um, or So out here, out here, our, our middle school goes to the ninth grade and then high school starts in the 10th. So it was just me going from like middle school to high school. And at that point, you know, I was kind of, I had conversations with Rick and I was just saying like, Hey, am I going to, you know, do I have a chance to make the senior team more from like a development standpoint for me? Like I wanted to be able to compete with the older guys and get beat up and like get my bruises and learn learn what I needed to learn so that like my overall development at the end was going to be, be worth it. And right. uh, he said, I'm not going to guarantee you anything, but you're going to have an opportunity to. So that's when, that's when the work like really began for me. Like the off season was spent on the outdoor courts. You know, I, I mean, there wasn't really trainers back then. So I just kind of trained myself. I played with my friends. I played on my own. Any chance mm-hmm. I could get, I was on the court. And then, so what, what's your team like in high school? I mean, we were, we were legit. Like we were, we were the second best team in the city for sure in Edmonton mm-hmm. and we went to provincials and I believe we, I think we finished, I want to say third or fourth in provincials, but again, just losing to Ross Shep, like they were just stacked. Like all the guys yeah. I named, they were either went NCAA division one, like Steve Sir, he holds the three point percentage re- record in the NCAA and Jermaine, he's still playing pro to this day and he's 37. So, I mean, he's yeah. playing in the top top division in Germany. And then I'm trying to think like 
couple other guys that went to play on like University of Alberta, like six out of the guy, uh, six guys on their team ended up mm-hmm. playing post secondary. Wow. So, yeah. And then my 11th, 12th grade year, that, that summer, I went and played. I played on the provincial team with all those guys. And we, yeah. we had a chance to go to Japan and played against some Japanese teams, which was a really cool experience. We were there for a couple weeks. And then we got second at nationals, lost to Ontario. Okay. In the final? In the final, yeah. And that was wow. the year, I believe, I want to say Casey Archibald was on the BC team. Okay. Um, so whoever else would have been on the team with him. But yeah. At the U17 level, like that must have been a pretty big deal. And like, no offense, whatever, what Alberta programs over over history kind of have come and gone. But like for you guys to make it all the way to that final, that, that must have been a pretty big deal. Because that's still a time where, you know, the best guys are still playing provincial team, right? Like the club system yeah. hasn't, at least at least from kind of our province's, right, perspective. Yeah. For they sure. haven't kind of taken over yet. So it must have been a huge deal for you guys to, to get there. Yeah, it was. It was it was it was major. Like I don't think I think they had won uh the year before they had won the 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 or the, sorry, the national championship. But other than that, like I don't even remember the last time that they had a lot of success with the Alberta provincial team at the men's yep. seventeen level or boys, I guess. Yeah, it it was it was a cool experience. We actually should have won that game. But one of our, our starting players, um, Jermaine Buckner, actually hurt his hand. And we were up by 10 and a half. And then um, yeah. he hurt his hand and couldn't catch a ball to save his life. So then that really uh, affected how the rest of the game went. Momentum swung and you know that goes. Yeah. Do you remember, do you recall anybody that played for Ontario at that time? No, to be honest with you, I don't. No? I mean, it was a long time ago. I like that. I, myself, I like but... that. <laughs> You were too busy thinking you're going to win it. That's why you're like, man, forget. Oh yeah, I did. Like, care less who's on the other team. Yeah, I like that. And then, so okay, so then you finished that summer, obviously, like playing with not only the best guys in the province, but some of the top, probably fifteen in the in the entire country. And then you go back to your team, and and what are the things that you're taking from that experience, and you're applying to your team? Like you said, your team is probably top two in the city every year. Like. You're obviously the leader that, you know, what are you taking from that experience and fitting in there and then using it to apply your skills to your team? Well, before I went to high school, actually, before high school, actually, sorry, the 12th grade. Yeah. Back then they had the all Canadian camp. So they like selected. Right. 50 top players in Canada. And I got, I got selected as one of those players that got flown out to Humber. And we had like a bunch of coaches watching us play. And it was, it was a really cool experience. That's when the, the Nike shocks were just, just coming out. Like before they came out, yeah. Yeah, like we got to like kind of test them out and stuff. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. That whole, whole experience was cool. And then they took them back, didn't they, at the end of camp? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because of eligibility, yeah. Like if, if you, if they can't really give you anything because if they do, then you're un- ineligible to play in the NCAA. So yeah, it was, a, I was hoping we could get something, but it uh, didn't work out that way. <laughs> and so like what's that like you're like so you're telling me top guys in the province on you've been to japan and now like you're at this top 50 camp and that must have been amazing yeah i mean it, it was it was really cool just to like play against you know some of the top players even some of the guys that weren't on the provincial team were there from like ontario and stuff that from quebec the guys that, like i'd never seen before and got to like compete, yeah. against, you know, what they had at our age level, some of the best in the country and kind of got to see where I measured up and, you know, where, I, where my shortcomings are and, and how I can improve mm-hmm. my high school year. 
And then, like you, like the question you asked, fast fast forwarding to my twelfth grade year, things that I took away yeah. from that summer was, you know, just being confident, being a leader, trying just to like push push my team to to expect more of themselves. I think mm-hmm. a lot of those guys didn't get that opportunity to to play at that level, so just trying to to share some of the knowledge and the stories and just leading by example was pretty much like one of the biggest things I took from it. Confidence really helped me out because I mean, confidence was was really big for me. Just going into my my last year with the, with the knowledge that yeah, hey, I played with, I was amongst the top fifty in Canada, and um, I know I can play with anybody. Yeah, and then the challenge becomes trying to get those guys that probably will never get to that level, not necessarily to like think the same way you do, but just to kind of buy in in the same manner. You know what I mean? Yes, for and sure. that's hard. That, that's hard at like seventeen, sixteen years old to to be able to have that capacity of leadership and knowledge. And I think that's one important thing of this podcast is like young ones that are listening out there is like, they've got so many more resources and so many th- other things and so much ability. Like when we played, it was like, do this, do this, do this. That was just what you're told and you just did it right now. It's like the sports psychology, the reflection, the everything is just so many more things that these kids have exposure to. Right. 100%. Like, I mean, I'm I'm kind of engulfed in that right now. The fact that, you know, I'm a skill developer. So there wasn't any skill developers back when I, and they have yeah. that, like you said, sports psychologists, they have, you know, everything is at their fingertips. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to see, to be honest, where some of the kids could get, although some kids, it's almost like some of them are a tad bit lazier than I think we were. And they, just because all this stuff is, is at their fingertips, they, uh, right. they don't work as hard. And that's something we'll definitely, definitely talk about. So grade 12 year, you know, you've put a bunch of time in, you have aspirations to move on. What's the recruiting process like? The thing that I'm always interested in is to hear everybody's story about were people just knocking your door down? Did you have to sell yourself? What what was it? How did it go for you? Did you have to go to ID camps or, you know? Yeah. So for me, my thing was, is I struggled with school. Like I had to work way harder at school than I, most people did. So mm-hmm. I, out of high school, I didn't have, like I had coaches interested, but then they, they saw my grades and I wasn't able to, to play right out of high school. So I, I couldn't go anywhere and I didn't want to play at a college level just because I thought that, you know, where I was, I didn't want to like use a year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing is I took the summer, I ended up taking a bunch of courses in a summer school to to upgrade mm-hmm. my my marks and while I was doing that that actually that following year as well I had to go and, and do some upgrading stuff so it was a full year full calendar year before I actually ended up uh, playing again and within that time wow. frame uh, a coach Tex Phillips you know Tex yep he him and Jerry Hemmings uh, started recruiting me and yeah it kind of just it, it worked out so that I I ended up getting the grades that I needed and I ended up going to Brandon my first year which was a unique experience to say the least. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I have, uh, as you know, there's, there's all types of stories that I could tell you about Brandon. Absolutely. Now, what year is that? That would have been, so I graduated. Oh, one. So that would have been the O two, no, O three, O two, O three. Okay. Was my, my first year in Brandon. Much like you, it's a blur for me. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It would have been. It's. It was Jerry Hemmings' last year before he took. He went on a sabbatical. Okay. So I got the last of Jerry. Yep. 
it's just interesting to interesting that like you know if, if you want to play in canada you know we've had a couple coaches that coach in the canadian system as well even you know the sfu coach who the standards might even be higher there than they are in other places it's like if you want to play in canada that the grades kind of have to come with it too right and and so that you know you took a year out just to kind of settle things out and get some school done and you become a young man and then you're like next thing you know you're at ubc which is probably the one of the most competitive schools to get in in the country so i don't know if how much you want to talk about it, if it's a sensitive talk about taking that year out but like were you just pissed off and got work done was it like a learning thing or was it a maturity thing or just i didn't really like school cuz i wasn't a student either i was my parents my dad my brother's an engineer straight A's and I was like the C plus dude who was like, didn't see a purpose and didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing, you know? So I think everybody has a unique story when it comes to that. Yeah. For me, I just, I, if I saw it as a, as a pathway, as a gateway for me, like if I wanted to play basketball, this is what needed to be done. There was no other Mm -hmm. plans or ways about it. So it was, my back was against the wall. And I said, if if I really want this, I really got to put the work in. So that's mm-hmm. what I, what I did. I, I kind of, I just had my focuses. I, I got my, my multiple classes done with, uh, I think I had about a 70 plus average in all the classes, which, which was good enough for me to get into the bachelor of arts at, at Brandon mm. for gen- general studies. I think it was at the time yep. where, you know, you could take basket weaving and basketball courses <laughs> and <laughs> take all all different types of courses at Brandon that I don't think other universities have but yeah it allowed me to get in there and play and I had a good year Mm -hmm. uh, I only stayed for one you were a GPAC uh, rookie all-star that year right yeah yeah so I was the first all rookie uh that year and yeah there's a kid kid back then his name was Irfan Najapur who had a great course tenure at uh at University of Winnipeg and he had a great five years and we we actually played together or against each other, I should say, and and we were both uh, first team all rookie. He was a beast. Yeah, he was. He was legit. See, I'm like, I played 2000, 2001, and then graduated in 04. So there was, and then, you know, so my after I was done playing, I had a half year to finish school, my first degree, and then I came back for education. So that year you played would have been my first year education, and it was fun just to watch the hoops and like see the guys and do that. So. Brandon, obviously, okay, for whatever reason, just didn't click for you or, you know, and then what? Yeah, so after Brandon, it, you're right, it didn't click. It wasn't wasn't the fit for me. Plus, they brought in a new coach. And I ended up, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I ended up flunking out. I, I took a basketball course in the summer. And when it came time to write the exam, Jerry was supposed to be there. And then he tried to send the, the new coach that was coming in and the coach didn't show up. So then... I wasn't able to finish my my 18. I finished with 17 credits. So mm. we'll, we'll come back to that because that's going to be part of how that how it affected me in the long run. But after mm-hmm. that, there was a guy, his name was Gene Shipley at the time. I, I know you probably remember Gene. He was about 6'9", from mm-hmm. Philadelphia, could play. Mm-hmm. So him and I, and him, I, Mustafa Seton, and Joe Pru, we were all roommates. And uh, Oh, man. <laughs> so what was the what was the complex? What was the name of the complex? I don't even remember so long ago. Oh, the townhouses. Yeah, man. yes, the townhouses. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. So a 19, 19 year old kid rooming with all those guys. And I mean Joe Prue had, you know, he had some some stories and history and he was like 30 years old. 
you know, um, Native American guy, really cool, but he definitely had had some uh, some baggage. Let's just say that. And then um, for sure, we had you know Gene Shipley, another guy. He was like very street, and you know, and then Mustafa Setin, six nine, big Turkish guy. So I ended up leaving Brandon and Gene Shipley and I. We went down to Arizona, and you know, we thought wow. that at the at the time. I thought like, hey, I'm just going to go get a pro contract. You know, I thought it was just that easy. So him and I went down down to Arizona. We we bought it. We did a, a $89 moving special. So they checked yeah. checked his his you know his his background and made sure that he had some income, which was, he showed his student loan money, which was actually gone, but they didn't know that. So we paid our $89 and we lived in this place for like four months. <laughs> and how the $89 moving special works is you pay the $89 and they give you I think it's two months for free. So okay. we lived there for two months and no, they just left us alone. They're like, oh, hi, everybody was really friendly. And then the third month rolls around, we miss rent. And then the next month rolls around and we miss rent again. And what we were doing is we were just like, you know, eating what we could, living off very little and, you know, playing basketball every single day. We'd, we'd walk, it's Arizona, it's the desert. We're walking to outdoor courts that are like 30 minutes away. We're trying to find the best runs at like community colleges. Anything that we could do to play basketball, we were doing it. So we would probably be on the court probably like six hours a day, easy. And remind you, it's Arizona. It's hella hot. Yeah. <laughs> so then finally, one day we came back from, uh, from just, you know, having our, our, our daily one-on-one match. And we tried to get in. Key's not working. Key's not working. And yeah, they evicted us. Oh, man. So we were, we were homeless for like four days. In Arizona, so I, like what we would do was we'd kind of make our way around the city, you know, going to different runs and you know eating our food and doing whatever we do, kind of macking on girls, clowning around, and then at, when it's time to go to bed or in the evening, we just like try to hop the fence to the apartment complex that we were in, and we would just like find some beach chairs and we would just sleep there. Wow! And we just did it all over again. We did it, we did that for about four or five days, and then um, one of the guys that we had kind of had a little bit of a relationship with. He saw us walking one day and he was like, oh, what's going on with you guys? Yeah, I'm just at this place up, up the street. I just got a new, new apartment. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And he's like, well, why don't you guys just come stay with me? So little did we know this apartment, it was like, it was like one, it was almost like a dorm. So it was basically like an apartment complex, like full of college students that went to like the neighboring community college in the University of Arizona. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a, it was like a full house, but it had like multiple rooms and they would just lock each door. And one of the doors were left unlocked. So we just stayed there. And they had, they had a swimming pool, they had a basketball court, a cinema room, like all types of college, like girls, like you name it. It was like, if you could just live somewhere, like that would be the ideal place to be. Like, especially for, you know, 19, 20 year old guys, like playing basketball every day, swimming around, messing with girls, like going to parties. Like, you know, it was, it was a pretty cool situation. Mm-hmm. So, so we did that. And then Gene actually ended up getting a contract in Mexico. So then we went down to Mexico and he, he was playing in a place called Aguas Calientes, which is about two hours from Guadalajara. So okay. we're there. I'm, I'm practicing with the team every day. We're, you know, just messing around, having fun. And then um, one of the, te- the neighboring teams, their, their um, import gets injured. And they messaged um, or they called the, the team that I was practicing with. And they said, hey, do you have anybody that could fill in for this guy? And I was just, I just happened to be there. So I got to fill in for this guy for like multiple games. I got to travel around Mexico, play basketball, get paid. And 
it was beautiful. Like I, it was, it was amazing. So I was in Mexico for about, I would say six to eight months and then things didn't kind of work out. So then I came back to Canada and mm-hmm. went to Grant McEwen, which was an ACAC school at the time. Of course. So yeah. went, went to Grant McEwen, had to upgrade my, my credits to try to get into a U sports school, a um, CIS school back in the day. Yep. Yeah, I had to get my 18 credits all over again. And then I transferred. And after my year, we had a, a pretty solid year. We we overachieved. I led the team in like almost every statistical category. And I had like every Canada West team or school kind of beating down my door. So mm-hmm. I went, on, went to a couple visits. And like, obviously, UBC, you go to that campus and it's like, it's a no brainer, right? You had Randy Nor with the legend. <laughs> He's the assistant coach, skill developer. The gym is immaculate. The campus is beautiful. It was like it's no brainer. So I ended yeah. up uh, making that decision. And I, one of the biggest decisions of my life, and I think the, the biggest impact with that decision was the fact that Randy was there and I had a skill development mm. that was going to be there. And someone I really looked up to, I watched him play when I was, when I was younger and, and really, really enjoyed uh, my time around him for sure. Mm-hmm. And not to take anything away from Kev, Kev was a great coach. But but Randy, we we spent a lot more time together, so we had a, a little bit different of, of a relationship. No, of course, and I think that's why Kev probably brought him on, right? Like, yeah, knowing sure. that the, he would be able to build those connections that he couldn't, and the you know the the player coach relationship is 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 tough, right? It's a tough one as a coach. So when you have an assistant coach who can build and develop, and you know the thing about you love about Randy is like he's not afraid to just tell you what he feels right so yes i'm sure as a young you know as a as a player who was you know you're starting to get you're not a, you're not 19 anymore so you're willing and open to listen to a little bit of criticism and what he's going to tell you and that probably helped you immensely and and also it's kind of funny right like the nationals were at grant McEwen the two years that you know i was there one year but the two years that they won at langara there the nationals were at grant mac which is kind of funny and what a beautiful facility for like a college. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. And then at UBC, like, wow, you know, I actually forget, you know, and this is the fun part for me is I get to go back into like the files and, and look at people's histories and everything. And like, man, you made two national finals, correct? Yeah. Sorry to bring that up, but like, as this painful yeah. to recollect that, that memory, um, yeah. we went to the finals two, two years in a row. Lost to Carlton the first year, which um, actually I just talked to Chris Dick the other day, and he was just like, "Man, if you hadn't got hurt, like we would have for sure um, beat Carlton." Ended up uh, Canada West. No final. way, you got hurt. Yeah, Canada West finals. I partially tore my plantar fascia ligament. So for those of you that are listening that don't know what that is, it's the bottom of your foot. So if you've ever had like plantar fasciitis, that's yeah. pretty much what I was playing through. And then the the tendon just like it partially ripped on me. Went to do Oof. a pro hop to avoid uh, one of the bigs, and uh, yeah, it just popped. So typically, that injury is about uh, four to six weeks, sometimes longer, for it to for it to heal. And nationals was two weeks away after that. I didn't play the quarterfinal game, semifinal game, but the final game, I taped the crap out of it and just did took a bunch of uh, like painkillers and uh, mm-hmm. and played, but on obviously on one foot, and uh, yeah, yeah. We just came up short. And then the following year, we lost to Sask. Oh, yeah. We beast him. Yeah, we beast him. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It, like, our last guy was Jordan U, right? And JY, last practice before they fly out to Halifax. And he, like, 
Oh yeah. Breaks a super bad bone in his hand, right? And like can't play in the nationals and like had his best year and they went 20 and 0 in league. Like basketball is a funny thing and sports are a funny thing and injuries happen. Right. And I, I guess, you know, similar and this podcast is not about me. It's about you, but just the bitterness that you still hold about like losing in a national final. But at the same time, this is kind of one of the things that, you know, say like Kevin Hansen obviously was a big mentor for me and you played for him and people kind of say like, Oh, well, he's never won it. And da, da, da. And it's just like, my gosh, man, like there's literally Mack truck out in Ontario running people over for the last 15 years. Right. Right. Like to be totally honest, to make a national final is it's an accomplishment in itself. And yeah, as a competitor, it's still going to hurt, but Man, you made it. Did you make it back to back years? Is that, did you back see to, make it back to back years? Yeah. Wow. And then, I mean, that's Sask, that's Sask team. Like, we had, we'd played them through the year, and I think we beat them. I think we yeah. split. And they had a solid right. team. Like, I had a chance to play with uh, the majority of those guys on like another team, other teams. Like, I played with the Edmonton Energy, and I've, I played in Aboriginal tournaments um, with Michael Linklater. Yeah. So, like, I got to play with a lot of those guys. Oh, Linklater, right? Yeah. W- playing with those guys, I understood why they won. Like, there's just a culture about them, and like, the leadership mm-hmm. qualities that Michael Linklater had was just like, okay, I understand. I get it. Um, but it, it doesn't make it any mm-hmm. easier, but um, I, I understood it. I was like, okay, I, I got what you guys won. Like you guys had a very talented team. For sure. Um, was Spagrid on that team? Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. Spagrid? No, he, he wasn't. Was, I know what you're talking about though. Okay. He was like, he could play. He was legit. Yeah. 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 Sharon Glover. Sharon Glover. Yes. <laughs> I'm Why looking at this go- box score right now. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Corbs is the stats, man. Don't go deep in the you're gonna Blaine's gonna end the freaking podcast right now, man. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think I had a very good game that game, but you want me to confirm? <laughs> oh god. No, let's stop. let's keep let's keep those in there. <laughs> let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. You're a, you're a cloud. <laughs> but I hear that, right? And like the experience of playing basketball is like, you know, my year at Brandon too, my last year. You know, started probably yeah, 65, 70% of the games, fit into a nice little role, started the first two games, the quarterfinal, the semifinal, didn't start the final against St. Avex, right? Against like Randy and Max, like the two guys oh, yeah. that I played ball with like my entire life, right? And and just watching our team and like I kind of felt like I was kind of like a glue guy, but whatever, a coach's decision and I'm gonna support and then like to just know that like i feel like that our group had way more talent but like you're saying i watched randy and max's team and i'm like they're just a better team like they're just a better team like they just they just click better and then you can just tell and that's not a knock on anyone and whatever that, that probably just happens more than people want to admit and i think it takes a lot to admit that like for sure we were out we out talented people but in that final it was like that was the separator and you know that SAS team interesting to hear you see that like you know you move on and then you get to play with those guys and see what they're all about and then it's like oh yeah that makes a little bit of sense right for sure and and you know you know as well as i do like it's one game right like they they got on a roll and they were just like they hit Mm -hmm. a a time where they were like super confident they just come off beating carlton um so they just had all type of swagger like i they were they would have been tough to beat and, and they were obviously because they won yeah so you know you get on a roll and it's it's hard to stop it sometimes yeah so so just talk a little bit about from your personal experience 
and then the athletes that you have the opportunity to work with, like, I feel like sometimes there's this fine line between, you know, should we send kids down south? Should we not? Who's ready? Like, talk about the two years at those national championships, what it was like, how did it feel? What was the exposure like? Like, you know, you got your name tag, what, you know, like what, what, would, what did the overall experience feel like? Did you feel like you were big time or was it like, nah, you should go down south because it's just a better experience? And I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just saying like, sometimes there's just this, uh, I don't even know if what my question is making sense, but just sometimes kids go down south and come back, but you could just spend five years playing in a CIS school or U sports school and have a great experience. And upon reflection, would you have gone south if you had the opportunity? What was that national championship experience like that was maybe that people don't know, right? Because it is different. It's not it's it's not a league game on the road. It's not the Canada West. It's it's the national championship. Yeah, you definitely feel like you're big time. You feel like you're you're taken care of, all your meals are covered, you have your your access pass, you're playing in a, a nice stadium, lots of fans, you got uh Cabby on the street, he was there interviewing people, like nice yeah you had like the score covering it i believe it at the time so like you're on national tv and it's it, it, was, it was cool you feel like you're a celebrity to be honest with you now compared to like if i had the chance to go down south i think it, it's all depending on like the person and the, and the situation like i think for me if i had the opportunity to go down south and it was like a full ride and it was the right situation for me probably would have like tested those waters and i think that's the appeal is like oh that's it's better basketball but it really isn't like when i was when i was at ubc we beat more division one schools than than beat us when we played them like we beat boise state we we played tulsa we lost to them by like five we played university of oklahoma when blake griffin was there we uh we went to mm-hmm. university of oklahoma and played them like we we competed with with some of the top programs in the states so i mean there is there's is a little there's a, a difference to like those guys play like a national championship game every night with the amount of people go to those games and how big basketball is but my experience at UBC was like it was phenomenal like I loved it my first year was tough just getting um, acclimated and and accustomed to some of the players and stuff and it was different and then uh, the culture changed a little bit the the next two years and I really enjoyed it 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 was probably the best decision I've ever made when it comes to to basketball played in front of like thousands of people we uh we had a lot of success we got to travel a lot we were taken care of from a from a standpoint of like cool locker rooms physiotherapists strength coaches gear we got gear we got laced with like gear all the time shoes track suits you name it like we were we were taken care of like like it was an ncaa program um and then mm-hmm. from a, from an education standpoint i mean that's one of the top schools in the country right maybe in in north america so, I mean, you can't go wrong staying, staying in Canada and, and going to, you know, a top, a top educational institution like, like UBC, where it's going to be probably yeah. a little bit more recognized trying to get a job in Canada than if you were to try to take like a communications degree in Idaho somewhere and you try to come back and, and get a job. So, right. I think it all depends on the situation, to be honest with you. For sure. Great answer. Great. Love that answer. This is why we got you on. <laughs> um <laughs> so <laughs> everything wraps up that way you know that way and then you you know tell me a little bit about like what is the en- en- edmonton energy in the ibl for people that don't know or have any idea like how does that happen and when does the time two-part question and then when does the time come where you're like all right 
I'm kind of done with this and I just want to move on to other things. Yeah, great question. So the IBL is basically it's it's a semi-pro league and basically like pros come back to that league just to kind of like stay in shape and run up and down and, and just play. So I played with M10 Energy, some great guys. We ended up losing in the championship game again. So like I have a track record of just like losing in the national in, in championship games. <laughs> Which is uh, <laughs> which is kind of bittersweet until you know the, the end of of you know maybe not me as a player but as a coach I ended I finally ended up getting one but I'll say that to a little bit. Okay, later. let me cut, let me cut you off quick here though. Let yeah. me cut you off quick and like think about. I'm not trying to make you feel better, but when you actually sit back and think about like how many people would have a desire to just make a final, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, and to sure. be on a part of something right and and it. It doesn't make it any easier, but it's like, you know, a little bit of perspective in terms of like, holy smokes, you know, when we interviewed like Randy, right? And it's like, you know, I grew up playing ball with that guy for when I was like 13 on and it was like, champion, champion, champion. And I'm like, yeah, but did okay. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and <laughs> yeah, I just well, want I mean, you to beat yourself up too bad, man. That's I all. appreciate it. But like for me, <laughs> you know, I'm such a competitor where it's like moral victories, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the, in the same sentence, I, I, wouldn't that. Be, I wouldn't be who I am or where I'm at if, if maybe everything was, was given to me and I just won everything, right? I, maybe I wouldn't work as hard for, for what I have. Who knows? So I got to kind of look at it from that standpoint as well. For sure. Yeah, but, I like uh, that. So back to the topic, I guess, yeah. with where were we? Oh, My yeah, the fault. IBL. So yeah, IBL was... Being a bad host. <laughs> so good. <laughs> IBL was just, just a league that, you know, like I said, you just kind of go out and, and you run up and down. We obviously had like a little bit of an offense, but it was it was okay. It was kind of like if if players hadn't been playing pro, it's like a place to try to get film. So mm. I did that. I did that, and I was like, I was training all the time, training super hard, um, thinking that I was going to get that opportunity. And it it just it didn't really happen until I think the following like following year when they had that, that Canadian league. The, I forget what it's called um, out east. Uh, the coach. Yes, uh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So they had they had like a the first year of it and they had like a, a draft and a, a combine so i went out to the combine i showed really well got drafted to a team and then went out to training camp and they had like 80 guys at training camp and i'm like what the heck is this so we we're doing two a days <laughs> and they they ended up cutting like half the roster down so we were at like 30 or 40 guys and it's like wednesday and we're doing two days and they bring in like another 20 guys and i'm like what is this like this is bonkers man like you're bringing in fresh guys to compete against guys that are dead ass tired. And, um, I had one of probably like one of my best scrimmages when the when the jump ball, get the ball, I go down, boom, hit a three, very next possession, come off a curl, boom, hit another three, very next possession, get a defensive rebound, full court, break a guy down, hit a pull up. So I hit like four shots in a row where I had like players on the sideline jumping up and down. The coach was like excited that I was like killing later that night. They call me right at the, at a restaurant. They call me over and they're like, yeah, we have to send you home. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I was like, what, what the heck, man? Like, what, what's this all about? I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, the coach was just honest with me. He's like, it's not coming from me. It's kind of like the higher ups. I think they had already kind of made their team. So no matter what I did, I think it was kind of already, already set in stone who was coming in and, and whatnot. So then they sent me home. So at okay. the time, my, my wife, we ended up getting married in 2010. So my wife at the time, we were living in like a low low income place. It just wasn't a good situation. So I came back and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to 
try one more time. I got an opportunity to go and play on a travel team in China. So I went there for about a month, traveled in China with a bunch of different pros and, and play against teams from, uh, from Lithuania, the CBA in China, which is the top league in China. We played a, a team from there. And there was a team from Australia and uh, it was good. I had a a really good time. I was able to like prove to myself that like I could play against pros and do really well. So came back after that. And uh, yeah, I I ended up getting an actual, a a contract offer to go play in St. John's for the St. John's mill rats. And it was like $1,600 a month. I'm looking at my wife. What a great name. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at my wife. We're in this low low income place, and I have a, a job opportunity to go to Fort McMurray, where I would make like five thousand every two weeks. And mm. then I'm looking at this contract, and I'm like, okay, now's the time to grow up and and sacrifice for for her, who's been sacrificed for me for so long. And I turned the contract down and went to Fort McMurray, and worked mm. there for as a laborer for I don't know a year and a half or so. Didn't touch basketball. Were you on the rigs? No, I was a uh, basically throwing like skids around so you'd have to like um pipeline so mm. we'd be like welding pipes and i'd be like a welder helper where i'd like um scrape down the the weld after it was done and you know clean everything up i was kind of just like the the grunt it was it was kind of tough to go from you know being a, a a basketball player where multiple times you were treated you know almost like a celebrity at times in in certain places and then you'd go to this you know Fort McMurray where they kind of just treat you like like you're a nobody, right? You're starting all over again. So for sure. Did that, didn't touch a basketball for a while, did some other jobs in between. And in that time frame, I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm seeing other guys with like very little basketball knowledge or, or or background doing skill development stuff and getting paid for it. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, how is this guy doing skill development? So I was doing a an electrician apprenticeship at the time. And my wife was like, you know what, just start your own business. You know, that's a big decision to make to start your own business. You, I, mean, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I've never done it before. And, you know, some fear sets in at the time. You're just like, well, what if I can't? What if this? What if that? And she kind of just like talked me out of it. She's like, just do it. What's what's the worst that could happen? So I, I stopped doing my apprenticeship and started skill development. And doors just started opening up. I got offered a job to, to be the skill development coach at Nate uh, my first year doing it. And, and we ended up winning a provincial and national championship. So I finally got my ring as a coach, which was, which was a relief. (laughs) And then from there on, I've just been, you know, doing different things, camps, one-on-one sessions, groups, just, you know, people like what I do. Um, I've had a lot of players go from not really recognized here in the city to getting a post-secondary scholarship offer to go play to Brandon. Cause obviously Gil, I got a connection with Gil and so I'm able to help kids get post-secondary educations and, and scholarships and, and that type of stuff from from doing obviously what I love and am so passionate about. But I'm able to kind of pass on some of that passion to to the younger generation that something that, you know, you and I didn't have at the time. I know we had good coaches, but never really that skill development guy that, you know, could show you the ins and outs of like little the little details that that help you be effective in games. Mm hmm. So yeah, that's my story. That was, a long, that was a long answer. I love it though. But I, I think it's so important for people to hear that like, you know, one of the things I've touched on before too is just like when basketball ends, it's it's no disrespect to someone who just played high school, but kind of when you when you move on to post-secondary and it goes well, 
and you get to maybe the pro level or an opportunity where people are offering you money to play and then to kind of discover who you are without basketball anymore, like competitive basketball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard. It's, it it's, it's hard to be because it, that that's your identity. It's in, exactly. Yeah. I go to school. Yeah. I'm going to class. Yeah. I still have my friends and other people that hang, but, but like when basketball goes away, when practice isn't every day, when you're not watching film or working on your game and your craft and your coach isn't on you and you're worried about how the game's going to, you know, it's just, it changes. And it, I think it's hard for people to figure out what that's like. And similar to you, not everyone's going to have a wife and have a crossroads where they have to figure out how do I make that decision? But you're going to have to make a decision at some point about what does my life look like without competitive basketball? And it's tough. And I don't know if you felt that, but I, we did definitely like uh, there was a like you said it was your identity for so long and then you know when that stops it's just like okay now what it's like uh you you have there's a sense of like sense of loss or confusion you know like there's Mm -hmm. no one Mm -hmm. really here it's like oh here's here's the path for you this is the path that you got to take it's like no you got to figure that for yourself like you're a grown-up this totally you know this is is the decision you got to make and then and good on you and so you start to figure out this training thing back in Edmonton and it, it, is there a platform like yours at all when you're starting out? Like how, what, what inside of you figures like, this is a good decision for me from a business standpoint for, you know, like putting food on my family's table and for me doing my passion that I want, how is the scene in Edmonton? And, and you know, what is, what is the reasoning behind that? If that question makes sense. Um, the scene here, it's, um, there's, there's a lot of kids that want, like, they like basketball. They like playing basketball, mm-hmm. but there's there's a very select few that love playing basketball. And for whatever reason, the ones that love playing basketball, they're drawn to me and they 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 come and they want to do skill development stuff with me. The kids that really love the game, which is really cool for me. Um, that's not necessarily a business mm-hmm. model for me because obviously if I just focused on the talented kids and the ones that only love basketball, then you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a whole lot of clientele. So I gotta kinda broaden right. it out a little bit and, and, and still you know, touch into, tap into, you know, some of the other youth players that like basketball and they just want to get better. You know, there's, there's tons Mm -hmm. of kids here that they like basketball and they just, they don't know how to get better. They don't know, you know, they got community league coaches that are just volunteer dads or something and, and they don't know exactly what to do. So, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different avenues that, that I'm able to explore and it's, it's being an entrepreneur again, it's, it's, it's not easy. You kind of got to, you're always figuring out like what's next type of thing. Like you always got to be on your toes because if, if you're not moving and if you're not doing anything, no one's going to do it for you. Right. It's not like you're at a, at a business and it's like, okay, here's your next assignment or here's your next job. It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta go search that out for yourself. You gotta make your contacts. You gotta do everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So Hours that are different. Answer, yeah. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because you started out that answer and you started talking about connections and maybe you haven't even realized, but maybe you have, but like you had a guy when you were in grade 10 that you wanted to follow. Right. And so you found an ability to be able to connect with people and have them buy in. And we've all had good coaches. We've all had coaches that maybe we didn't agree with or see eye to eye with. And, but I think when we get those people that are in our lives, that mean something to us, we'll, will freaking eat the food off their freaking feet, right? Like it's just, yeah. we'll do whatever they need. And, and and I think when, and this is why I wanted you to, to be on early on in this podcast. And 
I'm not just like rolling by like this was intentional because, you know, out here in BC, there's a bit of a, you know, what's up with the clubs and the, and, and the trainer culture. And I want people yep. to know yep. that there are good people out there that, yeah, at the end of the day, Blaine, you got a, you got a family and you've got to look out for yourself. But at the same time, like you are not prostituting yourself. You are not doing anything. You don't have kids with foam rollers and like spinning and jiving and juggling three balls and then doing a layup. Like you are genuinely, and I think when people hear your story, right? Like, so if they didn't know anything about you and they just went on your IG page and they see you and they're like, oh, you know, he trains kids and that's dope. and That's cool. But then they listen to you and they're like, oh my God, like he had to take a gap year after high school. And then he, you know, kind of traveled around and figured himself out. And like, and then they hear you speak. And I think this is important to let people know that, to be honest, in BC and might know this, or you might not. It's like, where do trainers lie? Like, what's the point? How do we do that? And, and at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter what you tell a kid to do. It's just the connection. And I've seen you and I've seen, I've seen the follow-up post. I've seen the congratulations to this kid for being a freaking, you know, fourth team all-star or be, you know, just being happy for the kids genuinely. So that to me says a lot. And this is why I wanted to bring you on. I'm not even really asking you a question. I'm kind of rambling and making a point, but there are good people within that culture and you separate yourself. So, you know, I appreciate you being on and, and, and what you stand for. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Like just to kind of piggyback off of that, like for me, it's, it's very Mm -hmm. important to one handle myself with integrity because I think that's how you build more connections. You know, if you hand your hand yourself in the right, with the right way, the right demeanor. And two, I just like, I really want to just help kids and, and get, to be honest with you, Mitch, it's like when I first got into this, I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to help kids get better at basketball. And I thought that that's, that was, mm-hmm. be it. I didn't realize like how much of like a mentor that mentor that I was going to be for some of these kids where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. receiving texts at this time and that time asking me questions or like, how can I do this? How can you help me? Which is, which has been really cool for me. Like I didn't, I didn't really realize how much of a mentor I would have to be to some kids and it's it's been it's been a mm-hmm. blessing man it's been it's been pretty cool that's yeah and like you're regardless of where they end up basketball wise like you're setting up a foundation for their life right like put time in get up meet yeah. me at the gym at 5 30 like grind like let's get after it let's sweat let's work hard and yeah you might you might lose in the national final twice right right you might not have things work out but all those, you know, skills and tools that you're going to learn within that will make you a better person. And you'll use that when you become a CEO or you become a manager or whatever it is that you do in your life. And those are the things that the kids don't get, but you do. You know what I mean? 100%. And I, I, yeah. I see what you're saying with like the foam rollers and all that, like all the gimmicky <laughs> stuff where it's like, you know, it, it happens here too, where you see guys working on like, 90% of the workout is like teaching them one move and it's like a move that they're not ever going to use in a game. It's like, why would you spend so much time on one move that they're going to get such little use out of? Like, why not just work on yeah. catch and shoot, catch and rip? Like, you're going to do that way more times yeah. in a game than you will ever do a, a, a cross jab to a spin, to a dead leg, to a side step. Like, <laughs> if, if you watch a post-secondary game, you're not going to see any of that stuff because coaches are going to put you on the bench. 
And that's, that's ultimately mm-hmm. what I try to show some of these kids is like, if you just put the work in and you just like perfect some of these basics, yeah, we can start to do some, some cool stuff, but it's never going to be like some players are just, that's not just, that's not in your game. Like you don't have that in your bag. We're not going to work on that. Like I just tell them straight up, mm-hmm. not going to work on that. That's not, that's not your game. Yeah. Where other trainers, it's just like, they, I feel like some trainers, they really try to just make themselves look good on social media where it's like, Hey, we're going to do this cool drill. I'm going to videotape it. And then I'm going to blast it on social media. And then people are going to want to train with me because I'm doing this cool move with you. Where right. It's not really, it's not beneficial to the kid. Like if you really care about the kids, you're going to do the, the, the meaningful, the meat and potatoes, the stuff that they really are mm-hmm. going to use in games. In my now, yeah, and I think a lot of kids too, like they just hop on social media and they see even an NBA clip or an NCAA clip and they see a crossover, but then that cuts because it's like the guy didn't make the shot or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like we're just so caught up in this. And like, like you, you already talked about, it was like, man, when we were young, you just like you needed a ball and a hoop, man, you just found a way, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, like to have you be a mentor is like, I'm not trying to get in your way and give you like 3,000 things to do because. You need to master five yes. to be good, right? Master like, the fundamentals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Corpse, there he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening in. I'm, I'm engaged here. I'm, I'm trying to pick up what you're putting down. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a coach too. Just, just my philosophy. Like, this is how I kind of do some things. Like, if I have a, a kid that's younger, like, let's say I have a kid that's in the eighth grade. He's, he's pretty much got, you know, he or she's pretty much got five off seasons to work on things. So I'll, I'll ask them like, okay, depending on where the game is at, obviously, but it's like, okay, hey, let's pick two things and let's just hammer these two things off in the summer. And then after your next season mm-hmm. is over, we can pick another two things that you just learned about yourself in the last season. And then we'll just gradually, that mm-hmm. like, by the time you're in, in 12th grade, that's 10 things that you're going to be really, really good at, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, you're just spreading yourself out too thin, like, oh, well. I can do this like step back to a hesitation, you know, like, okay, well, how many times Mm -hmm. did you use that? How many times did you use that this year? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Love it, man. Absolutely love it. Um, Just important. This is a good podcast. This is a dope podcast for everybody to hear. Appreciate your honest answers. Yeah. Um, Corbs, before we jump, before we jump into like a little bit of the hot seat forum, uh, do you have any questions? Yeah, um, I am a coach under Mitch, and uh, a lot of my things that yes. I know I learned under yes. him. And uh, you can you can interpret that for whatever you know, that <laughs> whatever that means to you. But uh, um, I'm reading, you know, I'm just reading your bio here, and uh, I want to learn more about the urban hoops, the 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 inner city youth camps that you do. And I just because you know we coach at a private school, and the kids are pretty privileged, and and I know you know sports mean a lot to them but you know to the kids who don't have the fortune of getting a private school education uh just tell me what that experience like working with you know not as privileged kids yeah that's that's really cool you brought that up man for for me i grew up in a single parent household like i wasn't able to play some sports because we obviously we just couldn't afford it right so it's been a a big thing for me. Like I always try to give back some, some way or the other where it's like less fortunate kids that can't afford the training or they can't afford stuff. I'll always like every single group session that I have, I always have like a couple kids that that just can't pay. They just stay unable to afford it. So I always bring them in. And I had this idea to do a, a Christmas camp where it's like really close to Christmas just before, just after. 
And what it is, is it's a free basketball camp. I select, uh, actually, well, I don't personally select them, but there's about 75 to 100 kids throughout the city. And I go to like inner city schools and I, I talk to either the principals or their athletic directors. And I just say, hey, pick five to 10 kids, depending on like where they're at and stuff that are, are struggling and, you know, maybe need something like this during the Christmas time. And you pick them, right. the, the, the kids that, you know, are, are trying to get on that right track. You pick them and they can come to this camp and the camp, it's free. They get two days free camp. They get meals are provided. They get last year. We had Nike dry fit shirts for them. We had, I, I bought about a thousand dollars worth of like Nike gear at the Nike outlet here. And then I also had like five awards where it's like um, sportsmanship or the hardest worker. And there was a trophy and they had a backpack with like full of Nike gears and Nike backpack. And then I had like a throwback Jersey for them. So like we would select five kids and then they would get, um, they would get that, that's the special award. And then you just make them feel really happy and proud about it at the end of camp, say something good about them. And then, um, we also incorporated the the Edmonton police service where they would come in the, the EPS. Some of the police officers would come in and, and work with the kids because obviously when you're dealing with that demographic, the police service and, and that demographic don't usually see eye to eye as we're clearly seeing with, with the news. Oh, yeah. So just trying to, uh, trying to bridge that gap and, and have them both parties see like, Hey, this is just a kid. Hey, this is just, this is, this is just a guy. Like it's not necessarily a police officer. He, he's just a regular human being um, that loves basketball and loves giving back. So just trying to bridge that gap and, and have them, you know, do a camp together and, and just have fun. Ultimately, I'm not going through like a bunch of diff- different drills. It's just like, Hey, we're here to have fun. It's a two day camp. They get uh, cool, some cool meals. They got press sandwiches, which is a, a sandwich place out here. It was really good. And then we had like pizza 73 or sorry, Boston pizza donated a, a bunch of pizza as well. So it's just a cool atmosphere. It's right during Christmas. Everybody, pretty much everybody walks away with something. Oh, they also got leather basketballs. So they got leather basketball, like whether it, oh, I, right think it was, I think it was a Nike basketball, they had Nike dry fit shirts. Everybody got one. And then there was a select few that got um, like prizes. So like the shirts that I bought or whatever gear I bought at the Nike outlet, I bought a couple pairs of shoes. I saw a couple kids that, that, that had like terrible shoes. So I just like, like shoes you shouldn't even be playing in like poles, rips. So then I just went and like bought yep. some shoes yep. and, and gave them shoes. Mm-hmm. The looks on some of their faces, it's, it's just priceless, man. Like I'll be in the grocery store and to this day, there'll be people coming up to me, like kids coming up to me like, Hey, are you running? Like that camp you ran was so amazing. And they're so grateful and appreciative for it. And it was, uh, it's something near and dear to my heart that I try to run every year. Right on. I appreciate that answer. And it's like, it's just like how basketball and just someone who is invested in, you know, a kid's life, you know, multiple kids' lives can, you know, can change hopefully their, their outcome. Right. And, uh, and it's not about, you know, padding your pockets for uh for more money and getting that new car is just you know giving back to the community and teaching them what the game has taught you right yeah 100 percent. and like you said it's, it's not about padding your pockets or, or anything else except for just like trying to you know direct kids into something positive even if it's for that short time you know even if it's for just two days right. just for them to like come in there and just have fun and just have something to walk away with where a lot of those kids don't get Christmas presents. They, you know, they're both parents aren't involved, maybe abuse in the house. Like there's, there's so many different stories that I try to try to talk to them and try to get as much, you know, 
information, information, but I just try to have conversations with them and mm-hmm. some stories that I hear. It's just like, it's heartbreaking. Um, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And then just like when that camp ends, how full is your heart, man? Like, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, like you can't put it into words, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great feeling for sure. And sometimes I think like for me, I don't, I wouldn't say I take it for granted. I think it's just something that I think it's just who I am. Right. Like it's just, it's just mm-hmm. something I feel like everybody should do. So I feel like everybody should just have that feeling and just love for people and, and, and share and give back. And so it's not like it, it makes me feel any different to be honest with you. It just, it's just something that I mm-hmm. think should be happening. I think people just should, it should just be expected. Can we just end the podcast now, Corbs? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, man, We got to ask the questions, like, man, because I like wrote down some responses. We do, we do. You're right. We do, we do. I really hope that people are still listening and just like for those that are kind of unaware of Al- Al- Alberta and like just the ethnicity that's out there and just people in the need and stuff. So, I mean, I'm not going to pat you on the back, but like that's what it's about, man, at the end of the day and like major props. So dope. Corpse. It, man. Good question, man. Yeah, great question. Don't try to take over my hosting job, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't. All right, we're going to put you in the fire now a little bit. Let's do it. You good with that? Yes, sir. All right. Drive under pressure. Tell me a little bit about got like seven bucks roll into the store what's the what's the bag of chips you're grabbing jalapeno cheddar man for sure the jalapeno cheddar green bag black and green i think they're the old dutch ones i think that's that's what they are wow jalapeno cheddar off top hey all right okay that was confident too (laughs) we got to stop giving people these questions they're like too ready man i know i know you gotta gotta throw in some curveballs in there gotta throw a, a couple wild cards yeah. Okay. Who are your, I know you're a hip hop guy. You and I, there was like a, during COVID, yes. we had like a, we had like a 10 day period where Blaine <laughs> and I were just sending music back and forth. It was like, just trying to survive, man. It was like, okay, I'm bumping this today on my workout. I'm bumping this. Like, okay. So in your, in your personal opinion, yes. nobody else out there, who are your top five rappers of all time? Yeah. That's Jay-Z, Biggie, Pac. I wouldn't say rapper, but I'll say rappers. Outcast, mm-hmm. they're a group. I'm a big Outcast guy. And then um these are kind of like a little bit newer, so I won't go like too back too too far back into the into the vault. And then I guess new school J. Cole. So nice. as you can see, I'm like yeah. I'm a lyrical guy, right? Like I really like lyrics. Um and I think those guys this are is, very lyrical. This is why we get along. <laughs> you know it's been you know it's been interesting too, is like I created like an eighties, nineties list on my Spotify or whatever and been working out to it and stuff and you talk about like the times these days and i'm like honestly 75 percent of the rappers that i listened to during that time were talking about what is happening in this world right now or like that was going to come to this you know what i mean and yeah. i'm like and that's my hardest part with transitioning to new hip-hop and i don't and i'm not trying to be like oh i'm the old old head and da, 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 but i just much like you like it wasn't about beats like yeah you need a beat but like, if there's no message in what you're trying to tell me, yes. then I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. Yeah, and I skipped out on Nas. Nas is, Nas has got to be like, he's 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 got to be on that list too. But yeah, it's, when it, it's yeah. There's always you know, like you give a take. You know what I mean? There's always 
Yeah, he's def- definitely he's definitely in the rotation. Yeah. But yeah, like like you said, man, the, the new school stuff is more like nursery rhymes, like you know, hippity bippity. This like there's no there's no rhyme or reason to what they're saying. <laughs> in my opinion, hippity bippity for the record. Yes, was, you know, like put it on wax. <laughs> hippity bippity. <laughs> All right. Uh, the most imp- the most important person in your life has been. I'll say two people: my my mom and my wife. My mom kind of she raised me, and it's it's tough to raise a man a boy into a man as a, as a single mom, because as, as a man you gotta learn learn certain things, and you know, not having a dad dad around mm-hmm. to like show you certain things is 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 tough. So she did the best she could, and we still have a great relationship. So she's she's very important to me, and then my wife she's without her she's like my my gazoo off off the Flintstones. Anybody seen the Flintstones? That's yeah. <laughs> she. <laughs> Without her, I don't know. I don't know where I'd be right about now. Who's your goat or whether they're two different people? Like for me, who I think the greatest player ever is, is separate from who is my favorite player. So who was, when you were young, who were you looking at and that you loved? Yeah, like MJ, of course, I think has to be there. MJ and Kobe, like they, the two of those guys were were huge for me. But like... I, there's so many good players back in the like the 90s early 2000s that like you know you can go to like Jamal Mashburn you can go to like Allen Houston Ooh. you know like di- different different players Ooh. that like the Miami Heat New York Knicks battles you know some some of those some of those games like you could just Lonzo Mourning Sean Leonard Sean Leonard like there's so many players that back in the day that would like they would just eat lunch in in today's game how like little contact and flopping and all that nonsense that that goes on yeah kobe and mj are my goats nice not gonna argue quick quick side topic with uh with kobe yeah. a friend of mine and i we spent uh four hundred dollars to fly to to la mm-hmm. for they were like i think they were like eighth row to watch the Cavs play the lakers i believe it was kobe's second last year it was before he got his second or third last year before he got his Achilles injury and LeBron was on the Cavs with Kyrie and Kevin Love. We flew out to LA and we were like eighth row. It was the, such a cool experience. We were there super early to watch like Kobe's warm up and like it was yeah. a dope game. It was actually his his uh, career high in assists, believe it or not. Seven, really? 17 assists he had in, in a loss, but it was a great game, man. It was, it was high pace, really good game. But how Staples Arena is dope. It's, it's super dope. Yeah. yeah. Up to that game, though, Kobe and LeBron were both hurt. It was around the time, like, LeBron never gets hurt, but he was out for, like, weeks. Oh. And we spent, like, all this money to go to these games. And we're like, shit, man, they might not even play. But, uh, but yeah, they both, <laughs> both ended up playing, which is, which is cool. Can't roll the dice now because uh, someone might be uh, taking, what, what is it called? Uh, what's the rest that they give that? Th- I don't oh, even know. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corp. Load management. Load management. Load management, yeah. Yeah, you can't spend 2K on a trip anymore. You might be really disappointed watching the bench. For sure. Ketchup on macaroni. No, I'm against that. <laughs> can't do it. Finally, Cord, we have, after a few episodes, someone who is <laughs> smart enough to know what up. Tried it, didn't <laughs> like it. It tasted like tomato soup with like chunks in it. It wasn't, wasn't. Wasn't a fan. It's a very good description for the people who think that it's acceptable. Thank you for that. It just tastes like disappointment. 
<laughs> could also frame it like that. Yeah. Okay, I got two more questions for you. Cool. And thank you, man. This has been great. Yeah, my pleasure. Greatest player you played against or coached against. Your coaching career is brief, but either or. Is there someone that stands out? Yeah, I played against Ben Gordon in high school. At the what? Reb. At, at the Reb. Yeah, Mount Vernon, New York. High school. Yeah, they came. Ooh. And uh, it was a good game. And this is what I'm saying. Like, and this is what I'm saying. Like, we kind of get a little bit snobby sometimes out in BC and think that, like, yes, left coast is best coast. And, <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. And you admitted yourself when you came out for your trip. You saw everything. But, come on, man, in the middle of Canada, there's some things happening basketball-wise. For sure. That... We cannot sleep on, man. Anyways, I will let you have the floor again. Yeah, yeah. He was. It was a close game. I think he had like thirty-five. Like he, he just, he was just different. Just very efficient. Got to his spots. Was very solid in like his movements and like when he raised up for his jumper, it's like nobody's blocking it. So yeah, it was. It was. That was a cool experience. That's crazy, man. Did you see his uh, his recent article? I did. Yeah, I read that. That was powerful, yeah. man. It was very like, powerful. The Players Tribune, right? Is just, uh, yeah, that was that hit me because I kind of like was a low key fan of him too. Like when I was watching the NBA, I was Ben Gordon's kind of my guy. Like I like that guy, and then just to see him and what he's been through, like that, I just have respect for people that are able to share that story and and share it with strength. So wow, that's for sure. Wow, and okay, so coaches out there, get your team in the Reb, man. The Reb is legit. It is. It's yeah, legit for sure. And then last question, because like we said, I'm sure you've got, you either have two little guys waking up before dawn, or you've got something <laughs> to do in the morning. And it is, if you could do it all again, you would. I would say I, I wouldn't change anything, man. Like, I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason, and they kind of mold you and build you into, into the person you eventually become. Like, obviously, I would like certain things to change, like, you know, winning two national championships back to back. but. At the end of the day, I don't think I would change anything, to be honest with you. Yeah. I love I, it. I live a blessed life. I'm healthy, 30, you know, I'm 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 older. <laughs> and yeah, I have two beautiful children, beautiful wife. I, I can't complain, man. Things could always be way worse. Wouldn't change it. Absolutely. I appreciate that perspective and then, you know, knowing you and one of the things again, you know, with the times that we're in and like I wish I took the opportunity when I was younger to like ask more questions. So like when you were at Brandon, instead of just being like, you know, let's go get a drink at the bar and hang out and have a laugh and see you around, be like, tell me about yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that it didn't come to the point where we had to podcast to hear about your story and know that like you spent four days like homeless in Arizona trying to just play hoops because that's crazy. And when it comes to a hoops journey, I mean, Corbs, does it get any more hoops journey-ish than what we've just heard tonight? Like, I don't really think so. No. Yeah. This is dope. Yeah. And and I know that you're a busy man and truly appreciate you taking the time. And I don't know if there's anybody that you think might be listening that you would like to give a shout out to or a couple extra comments you'd like to make, but this is your opportunity and and there are no holds barred. Like, if there's someone out there that you feel like you want to holler at or any thoughts before we let you go please do so. Okay. Appreciate that. Yeah. A couple of people that have helped me out or affected me um, in the basketball world anyways, like Doug, Doug Plum's a, a good dude for me. He's been very helpful. He's had a, a cool experience. He's one of those guys that like, like me, he cares about the development of the game. He cares help, about helping kids get better. I've already mentioned Randy, 
Kev, Kev's a good dude. He's an acquired taste for some, but uh, for him and I, mm-hmm. we we uh, we almost we 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 got had had some moments, but uh, I love love those guys over at UBC. All my UBC alum, all those guys, love them all. I, I mean, I could I could go on and on for for some of those guys, but yeah, I might might be forgetting somebody, but uh, all the uh, all the alums at or from UBC that that kind of help me along the way. I, I appreciate all you guys and uh, I appreciate doing this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to just sit here and chat and chop it up with you. So thanks for, uh, for giving me this platform. No worries, man. We appreciate you and your candidness and just ability to, you know, kind of be vulnerable and let us know your story. Okay. So 10 years from now, where's Blaine LeBranch? Uh, hopefully I'm back in Vancouver. Really? I love Vancouver, man. We love it there. Yeah. If I could, if I could get someone that, that could run my business here and i could be in vancouver i'd be there in a heartbeat wow but yeah 10 wife years too ago. hey she- oh yeah she loves it she actually she was working at vgh for a while when we when we were there because uh she so she's a nurse um so she was working mm-hmm. at vgh so if like she could get a job as as a nurse in vancouver and i could find you know something to do basketball wise and that i could you know make some decent money in um in vancouver we would be there in a, in a split second Crazy. But uh, never know, man. Good. Yeah, ten ten years from now, hopefully, like either in Vancouver and like Costa Rica somewhere, teaching basketball and just like living a a modest lifestyle, hanging out, man. To be honest, on a beach somewhere. Love the perspective, man. You're a good guy. Truly appreciate having you on, and um, we, you know, we wish you nothing but the best. And I think the best part for me, like talking with people that I kind of already have a relationship with is that I know Corbin sits there and listens and just soaks it all in. And I know like he's, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and he's going to have like 25 comments about you as a person, how great the podcast was. And just, I really hope that the BC people hung on and listened to your story because it was very, very great and, and inspirational and, you know, kind of break some walls down about whole kind of trainer culture that exists here and that let people know that, if you feel right about the person that it's okay to be like, let your son or daughter work with that person because they have good intent. And I think that's important for people to hear. So thank you, man. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll, I'll end with this with in regards to that, like trainer culture, like the people that are, are you're working with this trainer or that trainer, make sure you do your research as to who you're working with, that they are who they say they are. Their, their resume is what, what they say it is. Um, because there's a lot of phonies and fakes. Um, so <laughs> it's like, if, if you want to learn how to drive, uh, fly an airplane, are you going to take advice from a, from a, a pilot that's been in the cockpit or just someone that's, that's been in an airplane before, um, mm-hmm. is, is, is how I kind of look at it. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. Facts. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. You're good, man. Blaine. We appreciate you, man. Shout out to our sponsor. Good lad clothing hoops journey. We're making moves, man. Don't sleep. Yes, sir. Who knows where the next we hit. And uh, we appreciate you. Everybody, take care. Be well. Be kind to each other. We are all humans. Show love for everyone and just show respect. And we'll get through it. Take care. Take care.